Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 77 of the Spoiler Cast. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined here by Allie. Baby shark, do 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 do, baby shark, do 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 do, baby shark. Vera? Da 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 I still like the Nelly Furtado Maneater song better. I'm sorry. <laughs> Portugal's own is just, she just like freaking kills it. I love you, Vera. I love you too. <laughs> All those shark references, uh, you know, any week is shark week when you're the spoiler cast. And so this, this week, this week we're doing, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Any oh, week no, is no, shark no. week when you're a shark. That's right. Because no one's going to argue with you. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, to celebrate the recent release of the game Maneater, which Bear and Ali have played. Now, Tristan, did you play it at all? I have not. Okay, neither have I, so I'm curious to unpack it. So, Maneater uh, came out recently. It's a um, video game where you play as a shark. Um, we thought we would talk about that and talk about the classic film Jaws um, and do like a double feature spoiler cast for y'all. A double feature creature. Uh, so, other, other. Remember, there's another uh, thematic reason why we're doing this, and that we have done uh, two New England-based horror movies previously. One of which was Color Out of Space. The other was which the Lighthouse, which we determined was secretly pretty gay um, so, in the best of ways. So gay. And uh, now, another Jaws is a classic New England horror film as well. I mean, Amity Island is Martha's Vineyard. Let's yep. be let's be honest. Yep. In uh, doing research, I know I realized not only did they film it all there, but it was also, I guess, one one of if not the first movie filmed actually on the ocean. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Had all sorts of trouble with filming <laughs> as a result, but because it was a new a new venture altogether. Um, I think we'll probably do Jaws first in the spoiler. I'll, in the notes, we'll time code both uh, what we send out for y'all. But I think before we get started, I'll just go right down alphabetically. We're going to just talk about what we've been doing lately and go from there uh ali what what have what have you been playing watching what have you been up to well aside from man eater i've sunk god knows too many hours into ff14 and i bought it but i haven't started replaying persona 4 golden because that just came out on steam last week and i'm very excited to return to that game now now ali have, have you seen that for persona 4 golden on pc they have updated a whole bunch of the game options. Yes. Including the graphics options. Yes. And one of the cool things you can do now is you can turn off shadows in the game. And when you load your game, it goes straight to the credits. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that game. That game like definitely has a lot of issues and has not aged very well. But I still hold it very dear in my heart. So that's that's where I've been. When when you say aged very well, are you talking like technically or oh uh, like uh, social issues? Social issues, okay. Yeah, it's not a good look when one of your main characters makes fun of another character for possibly being gay all the time, especially when the character who's the bully had gay content cut out of the game. And we've done it's, we've done those episodes in the past. I feel like those were a big part of those discussions. So yeah, that I'm does. pretty sure I brought that up. And if I didn't, uh, modders, please get on it and put in the Yusuke romance. I mean, not Yusuke, Yosuke, please. 
And also while you're at it, mod in a kanji one because I need to date the best boy. Hmm. Um, should I play the Persona games? Yes. So you should play Persona 5. Yeah. And if you like Persona 5, then you'll know. Because Persona 5 has the most quality of life improvements in the series. I'd say, uh, yeah, actually, compared to, even though Persona 4 Golden is, like, miles ahead in terms of quality of life, like, because you can tweak a lot of the difficulty stuff in that game, which is really nice. 5 still has, I'd say, even even more robust quality of life changes to the series. Yeah, so if if you can play 5 and enjoy it and dig it and love it, then you will be perfectly willing to forgive um, the antiquated systems of 3 and 4. Allie, I have to ask, because you brought it up in our chat um, last week or two, but did you also play some Death Stranding? I did. Oh, yeah, I have been playing uh, Norman Reedus (laughs) and the Funky Fetus. (laughs) What what, what are your thoughts? I I have to know what your thoughts are on that one. You know what? I... I take back everything I said. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. I feel like I, I crapped all over it, mostly because I was, as much as I love Kojima's work, I was kind of over his whole, I'm the beautiful auteur, mm. you'll feel ashamed of your words and deeds. And mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because there are so many people who said, oh, well, you know, the game gets better after 10 hours. But honestly, like, it didn't even take that long for me. As soon as I had access to the motorcycle, I was like, this is great. I'm just zooming along, being a really good delivery boy, and I feel like I'm the only person playing this game who doesn't like the combat and doesn't want to fight anything. I just want to deliver packages. I just want to be a good delivery boy with my son. It's actually funny you say that because I've, since I built my computer, I've been going back and playing some stuff with the graphics card. I I downloaded uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, which I tried a while back and didn't like at all. And I don't know if it's COVID or what, but the slower pace of the game is more relaxing and acceptable to me now as a gamer than it was. And the reason I say I bring that up is because I feel like Death Stranding has a similar kind of vibe to it. Yeah, I can totally see that. I think the fact that I'm not feeling rushed to finish it because, you know, I'm tired or anything like that is really nice. Uh, anything else, Allie, that you've been... Uh, no, that's it. Thank you for reminding me of Norman Reedus and the <laughs> no. Funky Fetus. It was more my own morbid curiosity. I had to know. Well, you know what, Dan? I uh, uh, I put my foot in my mouth. I'm liking yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, I too agree, though, that I think when you pick up the motorcycle, the game changes a bit and becomes a little bit better. But I, I honestly, I admittedly haven't played much further than that. I just know this when things start to click, I think, with the game mechanics and, and whatnot. Um, Barra, what have you been up to? Um, so a lot of it has, my video game time has been playing Maneater, which I really enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I, you guys said it was a six to eight hour game. I think with more competent people, oh, no. case. it took me about 20 hours to finish it. Um, also I was a bit of a completionist too. Like I made sure to, uh, uh, beat all of the, uh, beat all of the enemies before, uh, before killing the final boss and. I was pretty keen on getting the evolutions, and the freaking Orca got me there. But I'll talk about more about the game later on uh, when we actually cast about it. But uh, I played a lot of Maneater, and I really liked it. 
the other thing that uh, I've been doing lately in terms of uh, entertainment is is that uh, I, my partner and I we've been rewatching Avatar, and my gosh, I mean this isn't new because it's this show from two thousand five is in the top ten on Netflix consistently ever since it was released, uh, but it's really good still. It still slaps. It's it's great. They, Show's great. They did also <laughs> just recently update it with the HD uh, remaster. Oh. Oh so, snap! Yeah. So it should if you are starting it now, make or continuing to watch it, uh, make sure you have the options set right so that you can get the HD version. Uh, I took one look at one of the newer episodes, and it it seemed a lot cleaner in terms of like picture quality and stuff than I remembered. Nice. No, I'll make sure that we switch it to HD. Um, but yeah, no, I mean we've I've been I've been very happy getting to getting to rewatch it. It's it's also I think a, and at some point I think we should probably uh, do a cast of the show, especially since Dan has not seen it. Uh, but I do the one other thing I'll say is that one thing I did notice at the time was is that that show does planting and payoff remarkably good. Like they mention stuff in the first season that doesn't really come into play until the second half of the second season. Uh, it's it's pretty impressive for a kids show that had to deal with a the, a ton of bullshit uh, from Nickelodeon. In terms of just just like nearly, and that it is as as excellent and iconic as it is, and that it was able to finish, is pretty remarkable. So, uh, y'all are already watching or rewatching Avatar, but if you haven't, just go watch it. It's so good. How many uh, seasons or episodes or whatever is it? Uh, three seasons. Three seasons. Yep. Oh, that's not too too bad. That, no, that... they're like what twenty something episodes long each. Yeah, yeah they're but they're, but but with the but with the exception of like two a few episodes, most of the episodes are twenty three minutes, and the ones that are forty seven minutes are actively worth it. Uh, it also has actively good filler too. Like, and oh my by gosh, filler, yeah. I mean, the filler is also just like leads to great character. But I mean, some of the best episodes are filler episodes, and there is one in particular where you will be sobbing. Mm-hmm. Sokka x Boomerang is my OTP. Boomerang, you I do always come back. I also didn't notice the first time I went through it, but Sokka just stumbles into it continuously. Oh yeah, like he doesn't even try. It's just like the ladies love Sokka. Honestly, like if he, I've, I'm always a little sad we don't get more Sokka stuff in Korra because honestly, Sokka's. Actually, no, he's not a himbo, because he's actually smart. Never well, mind. Who are well. the himbos of Avatar? Hmm. Iroh, No, because Iroh's smart. The thing, see, the thing about himbos is they're beautiful, but they're dumb. That's, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a male character in... Oh, oh, King Boomy. King Boomy. Well, but he's also kind of smart, too. No, he's Boomy's like, really smart. Yeah, Boomy, wait, 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 Boomy just, like, crazy like a fox. The thing with is they're big, buff, dumb, and they drink the respect women juice like crazy. Could we, could I, we say Zuko at the beginning? Uh, 
Zuko, no. Zuko's always been smart and conflicted. Yeah, Zuko's not. You know what? Avatar, uh, I need you to go back and put some himbos in your show, please. Because uh, <laughs> I need a himbo. Okay, uh, yeah, but that's what Korra did. The end of the I night. mean, Bolin <laughs> is pretty dumb and pretty thick. Actually, you know what? Yeah, Bolin's a himbo. But the best book, but but it, but a really lovely boy. Although I I do adore Mako. Well, once the extended himbo cut of Avatar is released on Hell Netflix, yeah. let me know. Anyways, uh, I'm sorry for the minutia, Dad, but you you and Ash should really watch it. It's right. it is quite good. You'll you'll you y'all will enjoy. Alrighty, sounds good. Mm-hmm. I will take your word for it, Tristan. Yes. What are you up to? Well, so the big thing I've been playing has been the remaster of The Wonderful 101. Mm-hmm. And uh, that game, I love it to death, but God, does it have some problems. It has some real mechanical issues. <laughs> um, but I absolutely adore that game. Um, that's been the big thing I've been focusing on. Uh, I've also started playing another game, which I am only playing because we will be reviewing it <laughs> at some point. Um, I'll just leave that there. Uh, <laughs> what, what I've been, you can say its name, Tristan. Uh, no, there's too much stigmata around it. It'll happen when it happens. Uh, um, <laughs> stigmata, eh? Oh, oh. Yeah. <clears throat> Because Irma Gerd is political. Well, stupid, stupid fucking gamer just sort of. Anyway, well, I will... um, in, in other things I have been absorbing via osmosis through the eyes, I guess. Anywho, um, so I binged all of Shira and the Princesses of Power over the span of like a week. Uh, and I can't wait for us to talk about that series. That series is going to be great. Um, I've also just started watching an anime that I have that I slept on. I started the first episode, and I was kind of like, "Well, oh, this is neat," but I've got other stuff I need to check out. Uh, but now I've come circled back to it, and oh my god, it's fantastic! Is my next life as a villainous? All routes lead to death or doom, depending on the translation. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, this is the wholesome bisexual harem comedy we've always wanted. Katarina Kleiss is a bisexual disaster and I love her. You mean Bacarina? <laughs> That's the fandom's name, like pet name oh for Lord. her, is Bacarina. Uh, and Bacarina and her five last brain cells desperately trying to keep her alive. Oh. Uh, the basic the basic setup is uh, this girl gets isekai'd, reincarnated, into her favorite romance game. But not as the protagonist. But as the villainess. Who meets an unfortunate fate at the end of every possible route. And so now she is going through growing up as that character and doing everything she can and using all of her knowledge of the game to try and prevent those 
horrible bad ends from happening to her. But she's kind of dumb and doesn't realize that in the process she has basically become the new heroine and has romanced everyone. It's great. All your guys and all your gals and your non-binary pals. Yeah. Um, the latest episode I watched did have a bit of an emotional gut punch to it. And it was especially effective because my shields were down. This is a comedy. Why are you hitting me with these sad, happy, sad feels? Ugh. Anywho, that's what I've been up to. Cool. Um... <laughs> Dan, what have you been up to? Um, I have. Uh, so I don't know what what game you've been playing, Tristan. That secret, but I, I've been playing The Last of Us Part Two. No, you fool! You uh, said it. No, all the gamers are going to stop listening to us because we're political. Um, well, because <laughs> we're talking well, about a game that has women in it. Well, I was also. Uh, then they're really not going to like the next thing I have to say, which is that. The other thing I've really been trying to devote time to is with everything going on in the world and in, in the nation, um, I've really been trying to spend time educating myself um, mm. more than I may have in the past. Um, so No I've better been... time to start than now. You're right. <laughs> it's always, you know what, that's the biggest thing. I, I've had a lot of friends come up to me and say like, oh my god, I didn't know about these things. And oh my god, it's terrible, and it's like, you know what, the best thing you can do is just listen and learn. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I understand that it sucks to feel this way of, oh wow, I didn't know about this thing, but a lot of other people have known about this thing for a long time, and again, the best thing you can do is let those people be heard. Yeah, and I think, I think for me it's more about digging deeper and really uncovering the truth, getting myself educated through reading, um, I'm reading a popular one right now called uh, How to Not Be an Anti-Racist, um, which is really good. I recommend it. It talks about racism from all angles. Mm. Um, That's awesome. And I, I don't know. No, I just, I, I figure, I, I want to, I wanted to just <laughs> uh, fl- flag it out. Um, no, video games have never been political. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? I mean, we're yeah. also all human beings, and this is... It's yeah. a crucial time in history where a lot of people are crying out for justice, and I think it's important to be able to uh, hear that. And I think it's a lot of times, in order to properly understand the world, you've got to pick up a book. And I think, I think for me, even like, I wouldn't consider myself quote unquote racist, but I think even for me, like, there were a lot of really eye opening things that you start to learn when you dig deeper and, you know, th- things that you might tell yourself or but 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 um even reading just a few things absorbing some documentaries and following other organizations that are sharing this information has really opened my eyes so i'm just i I highly recommend that if anybody's listening um and you haven't done that sort of research yet um particularly if you're a white dude like me um (laughs) <laughs> that you read what <laughs> whoa that you read and get some of that information so anyway sorry to drop that like oh 
bit on, in the middle of this. No, Dan, it's really but. appreciated. And I think the fact that... <laughs> no, you're a good man, I think Dan. the more people man. talk about it, the more acceptable it's going to be to talk about it, and the more people can open up and learn and listen. Mm-hmm. By the way... Um, also remember, Dan, this was the podcast where when I jo- joined it for its relaunch, we literally challenged Gamergate to fight us. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is, I think our two, listeners, our two listeners in Ypsilanti, Michigan, who I'm sorry <laughs> I didn't shout you out the last time, are pro- I understand what we're about and... It's, but it, in all seriousness, it is good to talk about the need to, you know, just again, you know, like, uh, educate yourself about, yeah, there is a lot of, there's a lot of fucked up stuff in the history of this country and that's happening now. And it's good to be educated to us as much as you can about, you know, why that may be the case and how we can make it better. I just want to know who was the asshole who cursed us all to live in interesting times? Who was it? Come on, <laughs> raise in, your hand. We're not angry. Unprecedented just... times. In these difficult times, don't worry. You can still buy a car. The car companies are there for you. <laughs> God, every time, every time I see a car commercial, it's like I lose my shit. Yeah, sure, Lexus. People are really interested in buying luxury vehicles right now. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, speaking can, of can capitalism, I... go oh, ahead. Wait, sorry. What, what, one other thing that I think is both relevant to the current moment and uh, great, uh, but also we'll interject a bit of levity here, but also that's the thing, it is important, is that, um, uh, so Lexi, my partner just sent me this, apparently thousands of people have signed a, p- a petition to rename Columbus, Ohio, Flavortown. Yes. yes. Got yeah. Oh, God, that's Columbus. so good. That's that is the hey Guy Fieri, as far as I am know, is an amazing human being, and a wonderful person, and certainly is more deserving of having a town named after him than fucking Christopher Columbus. Of course. To, it, the thing is also is is that I am someone who, and it's not necessarily a. Uh, a always an accepted position. It may not, and it rightly comes into criticism, but I am someone who oftentimes will do take the view that it is important to judge people by the standards of their time and where they are operating. It doesn't mean you get a rid of universal morality and you don't criticize people. It's just, you know, like, putting things into context does make sense, is the, at least the way I read history. But that being said, Columbus, by the standards of his own time, was awful. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't even oh, yeah. have to apply the fact that we have advanced as a culture. It's just like, he was he was, he was a taken dick. away from being governor because he and his children were massacring and torturing the Indians. And the despotic monarchs of Spain were like, eh, that's a bit too much for us. Yeah. Now, granted, that may a- have also been because he was incompetent, too. But he was a bad man on many levels. And so, yeah. No sympathy for Christopher Columbus, and I he, get the Italian-American thing, but there are so many better heroes, even just he from the reached, time. Arrigo Vespucci is perfectly decent. He reached America and thought he made it to India. Not How exactly the smartest cookie. is someone this incompetent and fucking racist off the bat, like, still have a day named after him 
Like, we're, we're doing our best to change it to Indigenous Peoples Day, but goddamn people. I will, I will, I will shout out quickly um, that I'm proud of my, my, um, my workplace for what they've been doing. Um, and voter, we're doing things for voter registration and sharing resources all over the place and also um, changing our holidays so that uh, we now recognize Juneteenth as opposed to Columbus Day. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so lots of, lots of good, positive things coming out of it. But yeah, definitely a difficult time, but one that's necessary. True. Very, very true. Anyway, now let's talk about a movie about a mayor who risks the lives of everybody on his island for capitalism. <laughs> so Jaws. So Jaws is a movie that came out in 1975. <laughs> almost, it is almost 50 years old. Five zero. And it's and clearly the, a conspiracy against our president, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> and one of the primary plot points is the local government's refusal to close a, a public area in light of a deadly threat for the sake of local cap the local economy Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah I want to point out something from the uh, from the jaws wikia jaws.fandom.com slash wiki about the mayor, Larry Vaughn, I have a fucking beef with this Wikipedia. It says, under skills for Larry Vaughn, the fact that he held the position of mayor for so long proved that Larry Vaughn was very good at his job. As mayor, Vaughn was the most powerful member of the town council with all major decisions made final by him. He, he didn't keep his power and his job for that long because he was good at it. He did it because he's a corrupt piece of shit. And I... Hate the people who wrote this wiki entry. I'm sorry. Also, I you think are, those people who wrote it. the wiki entry are uh, not necessarily familiar with New England government. I mean, <laughs> granted, most places with like a with a board of selectmen like don't have a mayor, but even like mayor mayor city council governments, the city council, the legislative branch, the mayor is the executive branch, and the city council does have a lot of power. I mean, it would be up to the mayor to do things like close the beaches or whatever or whatnot but uh, did, did i just say like all decisions final through him and it's like no yes there's, there's a lot of power of the purse shit that happens when you have a legislative branch um and i'm i'm not gonna blame that on steven spielberg because he made a point of making vaughn such a shitty person but mm -hmm. i resent this wikipedia oh no i don't now. think that steven spielberg <laughs> i'm being a dick represented it inaccurately i think they're interpreting what was obviously a very vague but not inaccurate on itself. Representation of the government on this to, on this island, uh, and just interpreting it wrong. Yeah. Uh, let's also not forget that the mayor basically coerced a coroner to falsify a death certificate through the autopsy. Because remember yeah. that that uh, that Brody originally wanted to shut down the beaches because. The autopsy came back as a probable cause of death, shark attack. And then the <clears throat> and then Mayor Vaughn uh, pressured the coroner to update it to probable uh, probable boating accident, boating collision. 
So I I wanna so I'd like us to go through Jaws a bit, but before we do that, uh, my colleague Ali was raring to go before this episode with some thoughts and some ranting, and so <laughs> I want some of that pure sweet oh. Ali oven like furnace blast right in my face. So yep. So we're just gonna, to we're me. just gonna open oh, the God. flue here. Well, a lot of pressure. Let, let's also set the stage though that. Allie, this was your first time watching Jaws. Yeah, uh, I watched Jaws for the first time as of 24 hours ago, and it was fantastic. I don't know why it took me so long to watch it. Um, but to get back to what Barra was hinting at, I mean, a lot of what I felt about this movie was because of that. It's just, like Tristan was saying, you know, the current year argument of, my god, we're still dealing with people being absolutely ridiculous and not doing things for the safety of everyone. Like, there's the town hall meeting or whatever, after the first victim is attacked, Chrissy, or was it the, uh, the no, little boy? No, it's after the second meeting about victim yeah, that they have. Yeah, it was after the little boy was attacked, and, you know, the mayor says, oh, we're gonna close the beaches for 24 hours, and then all the townspeople freak out, like, what? No, we can't do that! That's our livelihood. Well, you know what? You're not going to have a livelihood if you're fucking dead. Yeah. It's and almost like I, almost like they reopened too soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there was a second wave of shark attacks. God. <laughs> yeah. I, that that was mostly what I was coming away from it was is like of course this is an issue that we as a society are still dealing with and that's really fucking frustrating. Not that, you know, I'm not saying that Jaws predicted the coronavirus and that no. the coronavirus or a shark attack are nearly at all similar. My point I'm getting at is it's just so frustrating to see people be so fucking selfish and not think about the good of others, even in, you know, my escapist movies where a man kills a shark with a gun and a tank of air. Like... <laughs> Yeah, this movie's also, a wild ride. <laughs> and also just the fact that this happened 50 years ago and like this movie came out 50 years ago and it's like, yep, even today. I know well, that's a, 50 years a movie, ago and it's but... based on a series of real shark attacks too. Yeah. Like and that isn't to say I think sharks are going to kill us constantly. Like you are more likely to die from other things than sharks by a long shot. And uh, I think a lot of the fear mongering around sharks is really misplaced. Yes, they're very scary animals. So, uh, you know, try not to put yourself in a situation where you'd be near the scary animal. It's not hard. <laughs> Freak um, accidents do happen. Yep. And when they do, they need to be dealt with appropriately, which was they were not in this film. But, also, just a gentle reminder that sharks... Uh, go basically catatonic if you flip them upside down and become basically just big doofuses at that point. Big, big, do I almost said big fuzzy doofuses, but they're not fuzzy they're not at fuzzy. all. I'm willing to bet that when we talk about Maneater later, that game is going to disagree with you, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. So if you, so if a shark is flipped upside down while it's in the water, it can't process um, uh, sensory input correctly, and it just stops. It's like shark.exe has stopped responding. Got it. 
Is Shark. that how it works in Maneater, or can you not go upside down in Maneater? You can go upside Man down. It's a power fantasy yeah, of the greatest variety. <laughs> it is one of it. the greatest power fantasies in all the video games. Like, I love playing a dude with a gun. Like, I am all for being Master Chief, but for sheer power, my gosh, the shark. It's This is a perfect engine. It exists to do two things. Swim and eat. And make little baby sharks. It's really a modern <laughs> miracle of evolution. That character was so... I find him and the whole, like, relationship between him and the boatman Quint and the chief very interesting. Yeah. Well, Quint... Well, because Quint has... So, uh, there are actually two historic events referenced in Jaws. The first is the series of shark attacks. Uh, the second is Quint's backstory where he talks about serving on the SS Indianapolis. That actually happened. His story about being on the Indianapolis that when it was sunk in July of 1945 by a Japanese submarine with two torpedoes is true. What he everything he described actually happened. It is to date the single largest loss of life from a single vessel in naval history. U.S. naval history. Yes. Uh, actually, I don't think it's been, again, from a single ship. I don't uh, think uh, it's uh, been uh, beaten. I'm looking that up. I think that there may have been... I mean, a lot of people died when they when in the Falcons War... When the when Maggie Thatcher authorized the sinking of that battleship, but but the story of the Indianapolis is entirely true, um, and that it's a really important story that he tells because it puts his character into a very specific light. Yeah, it's it's a lot less. Um, I will say, coming to this movie so much later in my life, there are a lot of. I don't want to say like misconceptions, but sort of uh, impressions that I had of this film, especially as they're uh, revealed in pop culture. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I saw a lot was Quint basically being portrayed as this sort of like, you know, Captain Ahab, Moby Dick thing, where there are definitely shades of that, but it's not as like, I'm out for vengeance against this one shark because it ate my leg. Ah, ah. <laughs> Like, he is a man who has been horribly traumatized and scarred by, like, not just, like, the natural world, but also, like, the military, because he laments that it took them so long to send anybody out to help them. Yeah. And he's just so completely distrustful of any form of government with good fucking reason. Yeah. Well, and it... And again, it's, like I said, everything they talked about was true, was that because uh, the Indianapolis did not get an opportunity to send off an SOS. And so, literally, no one knew they were missing, basically until, it was going to be until they didn't show up at, um... I think it was a base in the Philippines that they had been retasked to after de de delivering parts for the Hiroshima bomb. Um, 
I think it was a base in the Philippines. But if they hadn't been spotted by a passing light aircraft, basically as like a Cessna, uh, no one would have known that they were that they had been sunk or had gone missing for a week. I think there's a... Isn't there, like, a pretty infamously bad Nicolas Cage movie about the USS Indianapolis? I believe there I is. I know they did make a movie about it. I'm not sure if it has Nicolas Cage in it. I certainly hope not. So hey. when I look at Wiki, the only the only thing in popular culture is Jaws. That is shown here, at least. Yeah. I could have sworn the Flophouse did a episode on some movie based. Maybe it was based on the events of the USS Indianapolis, but not actually the ship by name. Got it. It could be incorrect though. Yeah, this is just what they have from Wikipedia. It could it's not necessarily. Oh, well, so we the Roland Gustav, a German military transport ship, was sunk on January thirtieth, nineteen forty-five. It was the largest loss of life on a single ship. How uh, many? 9,400 people, yep, including around 5,000 children. Oh, it was torpedoed. Jesus. Yeah. <sighs> War fucking sucks. War is terrible. Wah, huh? What is it good for? God. <laughs> that song does slap. It is like. Yes, it does. It is just like this. Macho, let's get down and not kill each other song. It's pretty great. God, I love it when people don't kill each other. It's Time. so manly. <laughs> oh. uh, so just to, to sum up the plot of Jaws for people who haven't seen it, uh, if y'all don't mind, Jaws is, takes place in the 1970s in this place called Amity Island, which is really Martha's Vineyard. What Did you guys say it was filmed in Martha's Vineyard, the movie? It was, yep. Yeah, it was filmed yeah. in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, Amity Island, I always took it as more, that it was more like, meant to be like Block Island, you mm. know? So for those of you who don't know, uh, there is a small island off the coast of Massachusetts called Block Island. Basically, the entire island is one big summer tourist trap. Yep. Isn't yes. that Martha's Vineyard except some of Martha's Vineyard is also depressed fishermen and, and well there are people who actually press. live on Martha's Vineyard right. who are rich and choose to live there right right but I thought the vineyard in, in Nantucket were also like really poor oh there is a huge wealth disparity on Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket Islands hmm. yeah no no but um in any case the, whether it's Block Island or Martha's Vineyard, there's this summer place and uh, a shark attack happens. And their new chief of police, who interestingly enough, in terms of our current conversations, you don't see him with a sidearm throughout this entire movie. Like, when they're hunting the shark, they have M1 Garands, uh, but he's oh, no, not... He, he does strap on his service revolver for that. Yeah, but it's not until the very end of the right. movie you actually see him use a weapon. Yeah, right. and like when he's just walking around town, like about to bang in the signs, closing the beach, you don't see a gun on his hip, nope. um, which is interesting. Um, and like and, and 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 yeah, it's like and so he tries to close the beaches, but after but uh, the mayor and a lot of the townsfolk are really afraid that this is going to. Uh, 
cause massive economic depression and ruin the economy over July 4th weekend and then another person dies and then Richard Dreyfuss who's like this uh, uh, trust fund marine biologist comes in and it's like we gotta deal with this yeah um, and then there's also this shark hunter Quint who after a third attack um, is hired to go out and so this rich boy scientist this old shark hunter who is a survivor of the USS Indianapolis and uh, this cop from the uh, New York the, from New York go out on this boat to try to hunt this shark and oh uh, something I will say about the movie that I found interesting is is that Jaws is widely remembered for its amazing theme like the music slaps mm-hmm. it's John iconic Williams. for a reason John Williams I believe this was it was his wife who did the cello for it um, I want to say huh. But uh, but I'll confirm this in the, the later on in the cast. But and you know the the special effects, like the practical effects, are great. Uh, the way blood is shown in the water is fantastic. Oh, it's so disgusting and mm-hmm. so good. Uh, and also very nicely homaged in Maneater. I actually think that that effect in Maneater is probably one of the biggest homages to Jaws in that game. But something I also really appreciated about it is is that it's very much a movie with a lot of things going on from just, like, a human perspective. Like, the interplay between Quint and and the chief and the oceanographer, the way the mayor and the town works out. Like, just, you see, you get a really good perspective of this New England town and the way life works and... The mm-hmm. and the uh, and the stuff were with relationship with his wife, with his kid. Like it feel the movie, even though it is this it is literally one of the founders of the blockbuster. It allows itself to breathe and for its characters to be human, in a way that a lot of movies now don't allow themselves to. It's not yeah. that it's really mm-hmm. meandering, as much as that it's just I feel just allows to see them like these are people. Like there's this whole scene with the chief and his wife where you know they're they're a couple with with young kids they're like in early middle age and they're drinking scotch and she says hey want to get drunk and fool around and yeah and i know it's just i felt that was a really sweet like example of like couples having a spark even you know as a a, yeah later on in their uh, even even as they're they clearly been together for a while and that was nice it was cool and it was just like again. That's a kind of scene where I think a number of people would just like cut that out. Is um, is like you know just like miscellaneous. But I felt all these little miscellaneous details uh, were great. Uh, the one other thing before I turn it back over to you guys that I want to point out is that there's this really cool illustration where he's playing around in the boat and and his parent, their kid, and their parents can see him. And then he wants him out of the boat. And then the mom is yes. like, oh, don't worry. And then she sees an illustration of a shark breaking through a boat, uh, the bottom of a boat. And she says, you get out of it. And I, I Googled that. And it turns out that that was a illustration in National Geographic about this great white that apparently was following this fishing boat off of, uh, Nova, I think it was Nova Scotia, off, off of Cape Breton in Canada. And, uh, the shark uh, ended up like at one point after doing this for several days, it rammed the bottom of the boat. It capsized it, and one of the persons drowned, and that person survived. But in the boat, they found a great big, great white tooth in it. So mm-hmm. that cool, eerie illustration is based off a real thing. But the illustration, oh my was, gosh, yeah, and the illustration was used. 
uh, in that to as by the props department as they created this like shark book that he was researching. Uh, yep. So again, which just they, like which they reference, really, which yeah. they reference later on when um, uh, when uh, Brody and Hopkins are out late at night after after having all that all that wine, and they stumble upon the uh, the broken fishing vessel. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, it was a uh, Ben uh, Gardner's boat, I believe. Yeah, was ben the Gardner's yes. team. And they go down, and he he goes down, and there's a big hole in the bottom, and a giant great white's tooth in it. Oh yeah, they probably read that same article where they took the illustration from. Um, yes, uh, the end of the movie actually thanks the National Geographic Institute. Interesting. Yeah, so no, I imagine they, they I imagine yeah. they co-opted on it. just backtrack real quick to sort of um, another moment that I thought was oddly sweet and it, it feels it's nice to have these sort of you know I don't know if you'd I guess people would classify Jaws now as quote unquote like an action movie but I really love this one scene after they catch what turns out to be a tiger shark and not to be the great white that has been killing all these people and Brody is in his home and he's like not eating dinner and mm -hmm. his youngest son I believe um Sean it's Michael's the older one and Sean's the little one and Sean is sitting at the dinner table with him copying all of his dad's facial expressions and hand yes. movements and it just turns into like from the sad moment of Brody not noticing that his son is mimicking him to like making funny faces at him and then finally like Brody's like you know can I can we get it can can we get a kiss? And Sean's like, why? And he goes, I think he says something along the lines of like, because I really need one or something like mm -hmm. that. And it's it makes me feel really good to see like, you know, what ostensibly I'm sure gets turned into a tough guy action hero movie character have a sweet moment with um, a young child. Because yeah. you don't get to see that a lot in movies. Or if you do, it's because, you know it's to make the manly man look strong because he fights for his family and not because he's having a moment of weakness. It's which I really again, appreciated about this film. It's remarkably human and in some ways like a relic of another era where it's just like, yeah, let's show the people being being human and vulnerable. <laughs> no, like but, but but really I feel like a lot of times people the a lot of times when you see a movie it's so like heroes journeyed and every second of film has to count towards it. Towards uh, towards like the final thing that it kind of loses, like those those human edges. Uh, another thing that I like too, and then I'm not dying is is that 
that scene after he writes up the coroner's report and then he's going into the store to grab the brushes and he knocks it over and he's grabbing the signs and everybody's asking him to deal with their little island problems and he's just on a mission and then he hears like the kids are doing this swim for the voices. It's just like, it's this tracking, action tracking shot that is a, such a different kind of action movie but also definitely just like shows that yeah, this is some, still something where, even though he's not shooting at people, this is something that is, like, you know, going to be a moment he's going to be remembering for the rest of his life. He's like, and then I went to close the beaches to save people. And I put that in the context of even without what happens in the other movie. Like, even if the movie just ended and then the chief closed the beaches and nobody else died... I guarantee you that that character, you know, if he was a real person, would be telling stories like today when he's an old man being like, yep, we had this awful shark attack. And then I just like was everyone was just on my ass with all this little stuff. And meanwhile, I was trying to get to the beach to close the beach. And boy, I'm glad Oh, yeah. Like did. he gets the phone call and his secretary's like, oh, the kids have been karate chopping these signs or whatever. And it's yeah. like, lady, there were bigger fucking problems than eight year olds karate chopping a picket fence. <laughs> this this movie has a wonderfully droll and sometimes dark sense of humor about it which is another thing I greatly appreciate it's there, there's a degree of humor in this movie that is again very human and almost and almost understated yeah and a lot of that too comes from uh I really like that we get a lot of that dark humor at least person wise from Quint but also uh Hooper the uh, oceanographer like, when Hooper shows up, he's just like, you know those guys in that boat are gonna die, because after right? the uh, first shark attack, you know, the town goes crazy, and they say, oh, you know, here's a big bounty for uh, killing the shark, ah, and, you know, you got dudes going out in these little teeny tiny, basically, you know, Robots. buckets, <laughs> trying to go out, and he shows up, and it's like, are you gonna do anything about that? Okay, uh, y'all are dead. Bye. <laughs> you are all going to die. <laughs> now, there's Hooper also... I also find interesting, because he's got this whole thing... It, he's sort of, um... I guess you could say he's almost kind of the opposite of what could have happened to Quint, whereas with Quint, you know, he's traumatized by this event with the USS Indianapolis, and in sort of a quiet moment in the movie, you get... Uh, Hooper talking about how he was attacked by a shark as a little kid mm -hmm. but instead of becoming completely obsessed with being afraid of them he fears them but he also becomes like really he fascinated with them he's, he's infatuated but he respects them yeah you know? he has what I would call a more healthy relationship with the nature of what kind of animal a shark is right and like like I said earlier, is that he recognizes that this thing is like a perfect. It's a perfect engine. It swims. It eats. It makes little baby sharks. And it is perfectly evolved to do those three things. Now, Allie, I'm very curious because you have finally seen this movie for the first time. I am curious as to your reaction to probably the most famous line in the movie. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I love it. I mean, it's... 
It's so good. It's funny. Like, again, you get all these uh, different impressions of what this film is like. Like, I've heard that line before. I've heard um, about the song that Quincy's, you know, the Spanish lady song. And then, of course, the famous uh, Smile, You Son of a Bitch. Yeah. Which, like, <laughs> what let. It, honestly, it's that line led me to think this was sort of like kind of a dumb action flick. Right. But, like, watching Brody throughout the movie, like, in the beginning. I would never think he was someone that talked that way. But finally, by the end of it, he's like, I'm fucking done. done. You need to die. So there have been a lot of stories and a lot of theories and hearsay around the line, you're going to need a bigger boat. That line is famously ad-libbed. Oh, And here's the story behind where it came from. So, when they were filming Jaws, because they had to do it all out on the water, they had to keep, like, all their props and equipment and stuff handy. All the equipment for Jaws was housed on a barge, which was nicknamed the USS Garage Sale. (laughs) The producers were so stingy that for the USS Garage Sale, they only had a single support boat to help keep it steady and to transfer stuff back and forth. This one small support boat was not up to the task at all. It was wholly insufficient for the amount of work that needed to be done. It became an in-joke on the set that anytime something went wrong, it was that support boat's fault. And the response was, you're going to need a bigger boat. Oh. Like, we can't move all this stuff off of the barge. You're going to need a bigger boat amongst the crew. And it basically just became this sort of meme around anything that went wrong. And so Richard Drucker... Yeah, so Richard... uh, uh, So Roy Scheider um, started... Like, he really liked that, and so he started using it in any times where he had an opportunity to ad-lib. Because there are actually a few ad-lib scenes throughout Jaws. Um, and he, So he kept trying to drop it in here and there. Um, but the directors decided that when he finally said it, for that moment, the delivery was too perfect. They couldn't not use that take. Another interesting moment in the movie, which, strangely enough, one of my coworkers today sent me a Jaws quote. Had no idea we were talking about it today. Just <laughs> randomly sent me a Jaws video. <laughs> really? So I told that, yeah, it was weird. So I was like, oh, that's like this creepiest thing ever. We're actually going to, you know, my friends and I were going to do a podcast tonight about it. So he sent yeah, me some we sent me some trivia. Yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we are doing. Yeah. And, and he sent me this trivia that apparently they're in uh, the morgue scene when Hooper is examining the first victim. Mm-hmm. There's a scene that's just like strangely cut. Like it's almost like they accidentally left a, a scene in the movie that they weren't supposed to. <laughs> Where he lifts this uh, sever- the, the arm out of the plastic tub and just says, this is what happens. And then it just cuts. 
to another oh, scene. God. It's really weird. And I never would have thought, I had to watch it twice to notice it, but I, when I watched it today um, in prep for this, it's very strange. I recommend you guys watch the morgue scene. Like halfway through, there's just this random part where it just cuts, and then he just goes, pulls an arm out, goes, this is what happens. And then just it just cuts to something else. You know, I I thought something was weird with that, yep. and I was like, maybe I like missed something. Maybe I misheard something or yeah. looked away so, at the wrong time. So what that was I, very strange. So what I had heard was that they had to cut it because something went wrong with the prosthetic hand. Ah. And like they couldn't use the prop anymore. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like something went like really wrong with it. That's what I heard. I can't speak to the veracity of that, but um, I. I have to laugh because this movie went over budget for oh, yeah, all these issues, but the budget was $9 million, and the movie has gone on to make $470 million. Yeah. Jeez Louise. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so a, Steven Spielberg makes the money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this was the movie that launched his career, I do believe. I believe so, yeah. Oh, oh by the way, so there's, if you guys remember... Uh, there's also that scene in Jaws where the kids are like playing that like 3D video game where like they're shooting at the shark and yeah. I was like wait a second that looks way advanced for the 1970s what the heck is going on and apparently Shark uh, shark Hunter or whatever it is it was this mechanical game uh, that uh, actually that, so it's actually kind of like a mechanical game with a light gun and it's essentially playing this like loop and if you shoot the gun, the uh, loop changes, and uh, it's replaced with the image of a bloody shark. So that's all mechanical, not electronic, apparently. Mm -hmm. Huh. Fascinating. It's also a sly reference to sh to Jaws 3D, the worst right. Jaws movie. <laughs> Wait, when did that come out? Oh, that was in 1983, though. That's yeah. like eight years after. I'm. I'm being stupid. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, one other thing I noticed on my rewatch uh, is that in order to maintain authenticity, uh, Quint we see only drinking either his own distillate or Gansett. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the other thing now, I don't remember if this was hearsay or if this actually was the case. I haven't looked up the trivia, but was um, Robert Shaw actually drunk for some of those scenes on set? Well, I I'm mean, not you sure. can take method acting only so far. Uh, right. Quick, somebody use Google. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somebody use your Google foo. Um, I believe the other... Uh, I, sp I spoken about the uh, ad-libbing. I think the other famous ad-libbed line in Jaws is, I be believe, that's some bad hat, Harry. I, believe I love that, that line. Also, that line is amazing. I believe that was also ad-libbed. Isn't that like the name of a production company or something? Yes! It is a... And that, Yep, that is a it is a straight up reference to Jaws, and it was used in uh it's used it's the it's the company that was uh, that did House. That's yeah. what I was thinking because yeah. yeah. I remember seeing it a lot uh, yeah. when I was in like high school and college, and I'm like, where did I see that? That's it's a bad so, hat, Harry. So the game is Harry. called Killer Shark, 
And it's a uh, first-person electromechanical shooter arcade game that Sega published in 1972. Oh my lord, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I think there's. They think they said that less than five are known to exist right now. So time to win the lottery and buy a killer shark for your dead. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I've, I'm seeing things online that suggest that he blacked out a few times, Robert Shaw on set, and they had to wait the next until the next day to film. Um, but I haven't found anything that's like conclusive. Like, hey, these people are are actually saying that this happened. I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm just seeing people being like, yeah, here's some trivia. But anyway. No, I mean... It's hard to tell with stuff like that. And it's also difficult to figure out, you know, like, what... I mean, obviously, I mean, it could be that it's just, like, widely known. But sometimes also that stuff, like, becomes a legend. Like, I'm thinking of uh, the the guy who, uh, who said that he pitched the game on LSD, um, like the no-hitter. Uh, the baseball game, and uh, there is a lot of back and forth on whether he actually did it, whether he just made that up later on, or whether he was perhaps like still coming down from his trip at the beginning of the game, but then was just out of it, but then had the LSD had worn off by the time he finished it. I don't think we're quite looking at a the lighthouse situation where there's all the bodily fluids and all the alcohol. <laughs> right. right. But yeah. who knows? But no, I mean, I think the cool thing about uh, I mean the other thing I think with Jaws too is is that, um, and Dan is a man of Southeast Massachusetts, and Tris is a man of Southeast Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, what could maybe you guys could speak to just how much of a thing Jaws in, is in New England specifically? Like, I didn't realize that until a few years ago that apparently watching Jaws in the summer is like a rite of, on the big screen is a rite of passage for a lot of people in this region. I mean, I've I've done it, but I didn't realize it was a rite of passage. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's like a, if you live close to the ocean thing. Yeah. Like I, I've, I watched one, a movie on the block once in Providence where they showed Jaws. So maybe it, maybe it is a thing and I just didn't realize it was. And I was just like, Hey, I want to see Jaws again, but (laughs) yeah. And maybe, but I've definitely done that. Yeah. Uh, Anybody else have any other uh, thoughts on Jaws? I know. An oldie but a goodie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to see if there's any it other is... fun trivia to talk about. Yeah, well, there's tons of it, but oh, yeah. yeah. Allie, if not, yeah. Do you want to take oh, the just... eater away? I love this game. It's the best game of 2020. Uh, you know, fuck your Last of Us, fuck your Valorant, fuck your whatever's man eater. Game of the year, 2020. I'm a shark. I'm a shark. Suck my dick. I'm a shark. So I've always heard that comic um, to the tune of um, I'm a shark. I'm a shark. Suck my dick. I'm a shark. I don't that, know oh why. Oh my god, that's that, really good. Is that supposed to be a Willy Wonka thing? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm horribly toned down. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. What are you Wonka. guys referencing? 
Uh, I'll find it and post it in the uh, comments so you can. I'll post the link in, in the chat. Hold on. You guys go ahead. I'll look it up. Well, Man Eater, just to. Man Eater is a game by Tripwire. Um, team that made a bunch of games that I've heard of but I've never played, such as the Killing Floor series um, and the Red Orchestra series. Um, and this is a game uh, on what PS4, Xbox, and Windows. Um, where you assume control of a female bull shark who must evolve and survive in an open world so that she can take revenge on a fisherman who had disfigured her as a pup, killed her mother. It's basically the plot of Jaws the Revenge. Ali, Barra, what are your thoughts on Maneater? Like I take said, it away, Ali. year 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is like... The thing, and I know I've said this to you guys a lot, but for the listeners, the thing I love about Man Eater is you go, huh, I want to play a fun game that's like not super expensive. Man Eater? What's this? Oh, there's a shark on the box and it's eating people. And that's what you fucking get. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you get what you pay for, Holland, and it's perfect. Holland Oats Simulator 2020. It's the Holland Oats Simulator 2020. Uh, she is a beauty queen. We stand. A shark queen. I love her, and I only want good things for her. And fuck that game, though, for ending on a goddamn cliffhanger where it looks like she dies. I'm mad. I mean, she dies. Not in my world. (laughs) Wait, is it not a cliffhanger, Barra? No, the boat blows up with you on it. You could still live. You're a bad bitch. I mean, you resurrect like you always do, and then it has that beautiful message of, like, they st- you have finished the story, but you can still eat, grow, and evolve. <laughs> yep. It's yeah, the so message, it's, the message actually, we truly need in 2020. <laughs> you actually evolve your shark, though, as you go, right? Yeah, yes. you grow from a uh, pup to a... Uh, uh, mega. mega yeah, to a mega, like a megalodon, basically. Yeah. Awesome. And throughout the course of the game, you get three different kinds of power-ups that have different parts for each of the different potty, body parts. I almost said potty parts. Oops. Uh, there's the bone set, which basically ups your defense and makes you really good at fighting boats. There's the shadow set, which uh, makes you faster and poisons your enemies in like an AoE. And then there's the um, electric, electric set, I believe it's called, and it gives you like... Um, an elect- electric dash that you can use. I believe, is it to stun people, Barra? I didn't yeah. play with the electric I set that much. I played most of the game with the bioelectric set. Essentially what it is is that, like, you get to put stun counters when you with your attacks, and after a certain amount, like, people are stunned. Um, so it can th- be helpful in terms of, like, stunning your enemies, um, although it doesn't totally stack up for cheesiness as much as, uh, as much as you would like. Hypothetically, it's really good for um, taking out individual apexes. Uh, I think for the most part that worked out well, although I had a lot of trouble with the apex orca. Although actually, yeah, that helped me out when I just then fully upgraded my bioelectrics. Um, But you look like an awesome uh, electrified death catfish shark. Um, Each of the sets should look different. Um, With the bone set, you look like this big bone, bone covered prehistoric thing. And I only have literally one part of the shadow set because uh, you get the bioelectric set by fighting uh, the bounty hunters, the, the the bosses of the bounty hunter waves that come at you. So I beat all of them and got that. 
uh, uh, got the stuff through that. And uh, the bone set is comes from beating the apex predator at each of the each of the um, regions. So essentially, if you're going through the story, you're going to get the bone set. Uh, yeah. But the uh, but the shadow set, you have to get all the landmarks in an area. And I was not as good at that. Like, it was literally at the end of the game that I got my first shadow set thing. But if you're good at getting landmarks, then, uh, yeah, you'll you'll gain access it to means. that. You so, look like a giant vampire shark. So as someone who has not played this game, I'm just going to say right now that what you're describing, I am thinking of in terms of Devil May Cry Dante styles. I'd say it's more like GTA, but sharks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just thinking. It, this just made me think like, shark slinger and well, yeah, trickster thinking, shark. Well, I'm thinking about it too. Almost more though, from the perspective of like, you have different skill trees you can go down. Almost. Yes. Exactly. And like, there, that's you know, you have your like brute, you have your stealth, and you have your like, um, what's the word? Uh, magic. Magic or. Um, yeah, hacking energy, energy, or something like that. Yeah, um, you were talking about different regions. Does this take place like in one port, or does it take place like? It takes place in a in a city, like in an ocean town in uh, Louisiana. Okay. Yeah. So the first area you start in is uh, the bayou, mm-hmm. and like that's another little thing I like a lot about this game is like, I I don't know what they did to get the accent for the area like so well for some of these characters but like i love i love it i think they did a really good job of like not necessarily like so the gist of the show is like you're the shark obviously but a lot of the story is told through cutscenes through the point of view of it being a like animal like a sort of gratuitous like animal hunting show basically where the host is this uh uh, Cajun guy who goes around killing sharks because he's basically the Captain Ahab, but of sharks. And it's sort of this, like, I'm not saying that this game is amazing and critical of, like, these weird exploitative, like, you know, ooh, natural shows about nature and how scary nature is, but it's, it's a fun, it's a fun way to poke at the genre, I think, especially with a you get commentary from the camera guy who's like at one point criticizing Scaly Pete, who's the bad guy. Like, what are all these chemicals? Why are you putting all these chemicals in the water? And then Chris Parnell also having some really good quips about sharks. Oh, is Chris Parnell the uh, narrator? Yeah, he's like the narrator for the TV show. Oh, sweet. And he doesn't quite overstay his welcome with his quips which is good i think if you hang out in one area for too long it can be a little much but if you kind of zoom through everything you can get all the best bits and he doesn't overstay his welcome well this sounds like just like the recipe after i'm done with the last of us like which takes it's really cathartic so it's really cathartic to swim around and eat a bunch of billionaires yeah like here's another thing that i will put out which is is that I, for some reason, this game has gotten a lot of criticism from folks, and like, I mean, Yahtzee hates everything, but Yahtzee really tore this game up, and I I think that really the best, I couldn't disagree with it more, I had a great time, but I think that really what it comes down to is that if you like the Rampage sections of Grand Theft Auto, uh, 
then you're going to love this. This is the best version of a Rampage thing where you're just going about eating things willy-nilly. Um, and you're also just the general gameplay and stuff. You're going to learn pretty quickly um, whether, yeah. you, whether you like it or not. But the power fantasy of being a shark and just, like, eating this beautiful flora and fauna and then just, like, taking... The, when you start eating people, it's amazing. It's just like, yes, yeah. take it down. Uh, I mean, I remember starting the game being terrified of the alligators in the bayou. And then by the end of the game, I would, like, go back as the megalodon to the bayou and be like, ha ha ha, I eat you all now, suckers. <laughs> yeah, you just start chomping and you never stop as you just, like, swallow them whole, basically. And that isn't to say that there aren't, like, mechanical issues with the game. I think it really suffers in a lot of ways from not having a good targeting system, especially when it comes to underwater combat. Yeah, sometimes I could get lost um, when I was doing underwater, especially when I was trying to find an apex, which would be, like, moving, and it was hard to, like, keep it in front of me. Uh, One other thing, which is a little minor, Pep, is that it, it was nice that the targeting, when you're getting close to a fish, it locks on, but... So that's good for gameplay purposes, but for the purposes of pretty, it can sometimes be difficult to watch, see the very pretty ocean life up close because your big yellow targeter gets in the way. Yeah. So so I think it would really benefit from, like, a good targeting system. And, like, the game does have several bugs, mostly, like, at least that I've run into, having to do with trophies unlocking. I think I had uh, mentioned before in our last episode, maybe not just to you guys personally, that there is a trophy for getting all the landmarks, which is for getting the rest of the shadow set. And one of the landmarks wouldn't spawn. And But this was like a pretty well-known bug that the developers worked on really quick to fix. So like, there are a couple issues with like trophies not popping. But I mean, other than that, like it's, I mean, that's the thing. Like I said, I'm you look at the box, you get what you get. It's 40 bucks. I'm not expecting, you know, the Schindler's List of video games. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, let's, no. Let's, no, okay. No, no. no we're not. No. We're not, we're not going down that rabbit hole. That's for a future possible episode of the show. <laughs> but okay. it's fun and, like, good-hearted fun. And I know some people have complained about, like, the repetitiveness of the uh, open-world activities. But honestly, like... I, now, I, now, Allie, I didn't Allie, find to them be tedious. Fair, to be fair, you are someone who has dumped almost 500 hours into Final Fantasy 13. So <laughs> you may gonna, be a little biased when it comes to repetitive grinding tasks. So, so Tris, I'm going to stop you right there. Like, <laughs> I'm someone who's horrified at the idea of dumping that much time into something, he says, wasting all of his time playing Magic the Gathering cards. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I don't normally... But in all seriousness, I don't normally spend that much time on a video game. And I didn't mind the quests. Uh, and, in fact, there is... And, and this is for someone who played 20 hours of this thing. Like, the... Uh, a, there's, it's nice that there is a pretty good linear path for you to advance fairly rapidly along the story if you want to do that, which I appreciate. Um, like... Yes, there can be some busy work, but it's busy work that's all manageable. Like, you could pretty much clear a area in an hour um, if you're just... Oh, like, completely. On that. Uh, so, it, it, it's one of those games, again, that... And we were talking about this 
with a very different game that was also excellent, the out the Outer Worlds, which respects your time. It like it's like we're we're gonna give you a rich, beautiful world that you can explore and do a lot of stuff in, but we're also going to respect your time. And if you just want to blaze through this, you're gonna have a good time blazing. Uh, the there's a lot of humor in this game. Like the, there's these landmarks, which are some of my favorite things. Where it's essentially like you know like graveyard mafia graveyards of people who are like you know killed or like people who die in a boating accident like a lot of them are like grizzly and future skeletons but some of them are just like underwater like a little underwater base where like a, a super villains probably or a cthulhu sculpture and they have little like wry commentary as it like cuts out to see it so the landmarks are really nice and fun that way uh the quests also have like little um oftentimes comments from scaly pete oftentimes about you know a skate park or a golfing course and often like how his life went into it uh so i, I really appreciate that ali as, as someone who did all the landmarks what did you think i mean again i didn't think the busy work was honestly that tedious or bad but maybe i just have the patience of a sharky saint well, again, I don't have that patience, and I enjoyed the busy work. <laughs> yeah. I think, again, too, I'm not looking at this game super seriously. I don't... I understand the criticisms of it on, like, a technical point. Like, yes, there are, are bugs, and the targeting system is not great, but, I mean, I, I, I embrace these kind of sort of, like, B-tier, even kind of... I wouldn't say it's C-tier, but definitely B-tier games where it's, like, not too serious, not too expensive, not super long, and you just... It's like a popcorn flick. You just throw it on and, like, thrash around and eat people. Or, you know, destroy boats or something. Like, I still, like... Yeah. I'll, I, I beat it in 100%ed it, but sometimes I still just turn it on and just kind of chomp on people for now. I do the same thing with GTA. Sometimes I like to just turn GTA on and drive around. We yeah. said the exact same thing very recently about another game. Um, and it was we said the exact same thing about Control. That Control is another one of these games that it's not a triple A, you know, big budget release. And it's not an indie. It's one of those nice kind of in-between games. Right. Although and, uh, I would say that these are... Con- oh, go, go on, Tris. Oh, I was just going to say that. And we talked then about how the fact that the industry and the sort of gaming culture is right now really missing games like that. Yeah, well, I think so. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll get back into this a lot more, I think, when we do eventually talk about The Last of Us Part Two. But I think the one thing that excites me the most about the new generation of consoles is the way that the new tools and some of these new systems, like the new Unreal Engine, will allow smaller teams with a real vision to like make what they want to make mm-hmm. in a way that they couldn't mm-hmm. before and like control is made by remedy and this is made by tripwire i get the sense that they're slightly bigger studios than like a few person shop that are able to make these games so you're right it's somewhere in the middle it's like this b game or single a game or whatever you want to call it but i'm really excited for the prospect of these smaller teams can get in there and make a game that is you know fully featured the way they want it to be with less effort on their end or maybe a smaller team I mean, I think also a, in, there's two interesting things when you compare Control and Maneater. One, which is that I do think that, to be fair, there is different. Though. Like, I love Maneater. I love Control. But Control 
has a great, great story. Um, Manita's story is entertaining, but it is pretty pure popcorn flick. Um, yeah. Although... I will say there was one moment where it legitimately, like... Actually, two. Two moments where it legitimately made me sad, which is the beginning where you see the mama shark get her gut cut open, and he mutilates the baby shark that you play as, and then the part where Scaly Pete's son dies. Yeah, I was gonna mention like, the Kyle part was like, whoa. And I was hoping that Kyle survived. That actually survives, made me sad. But, it, but he didn't. And I was I was Mostly because, like, honestly I... Not that I'm looking, you know, for an extended man-eater universe or anything, but like the <laughs> thing I liked about Kyle's character was he's not his dad. He does, like, he's being dragged onto all these shoots for the show with his dad to hunt these sharks down but he's like i actually want to study to be a marine biologist i think these are really cool animals and we need to respect them and you know there's this horrible accident where scaly pete has all this gasoline on his boat and is the reason why his son dies in this horrible boat explosion but he blames it on the shark and not to get all like super captain a happy about it but like he blames it all on the shark and goes gung-ho after the shark when really it's his fault Kyle died Mm -hmm. and he can't see that I mean Kyle also didn't get off the boat when he told him to as well well because he tried to save that's the thing he tried to save the shark he tried to save like the he bo- tries to he, save you because you're stuck on the boat with the fire no, I think, and he tries to sh- I think, shove you off no I think he I don't think he was trying to save the shark he was trying to save the boat he was trying to save his father's boat with that uh, Still, though, like, it was sad. No, it was incredibly sad. I was very moved by that. Uh, and I did not expect this game to, like, make me feel feel, feel things after that first opening cutscene that was, like, I will warn people, pretty graphic. Mm. Like, yes, this is a game where you play as a shark and eat people, but, like, the opening scene with the mother shark is pretty graphic. Hey, if you're gonna... If you're gonna make a game about a shark eating people, and you want the shark to be the main character and be sympathetic, you gotta make the people you're eating really bad. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Allie, I, I do want to let you know that I will sign your petition for the new MCU, the <laughs> Maneater Cinematic Universe. Yay! Maneater Cinematic Universe! I mean, honestly, like, Give me another game that's like this, but like I don't know, maybe about poachers or something, and you can play as a fucking tiger or something, and eat people. No, I mean I think because uh, fuck poachers. So I think there's another thing too that this game does share with Control though, which is that uh, really excellent uh, female protagonists. Uh, Hell fucking yeah! I mean I think that Jim Sterling did this whole thing where he was just talking about like. And actually, this... He's talking about, like, a... Where is there a female character that has her own narrative that's not, like, conventionally attractive and defined by her looks? And obviously, that doesn't wrap with Control because, like, the protagonist of Control, the lady who she's based off of, is a fox. Uh, like, a fully realized fox who is... Her sexuality is not a big part of the game, if at all. But, my gosh... But Maneater, meanwhile, is a game where you get to play as a female creature and you are, you are not sexualized one bit. And meanwhile, you grow and become this big, beautiful killing machine. Feminism. Yeah. Maneater. They go together like uh, 
Like things that go together. <laughs> now, considering our previous conversation on the lighthouse and something we brought up in there, would you would you be happy to see if they released DLC for Maneater where at the end um uh, call it Poseidon, call it you know, mother of all sharks or what have you decides that you have consumed enough humans and avenged the crimes against your species to the point where you are gr graced with the ability to become a shark mermaid <gasps> I mean, I don't think I... I don't know if I need that to be a DLC or anything, but uh, I need to see that art right now. You know what I'm saying? Spoiler spoiler media crew. Get at us in the in contact. And Please give me some more shark... Just more monstrous mermaids in general? Like, I love the little mermaid as much as the next person, but please give me more wacky-ass weird mermaids. <laughs> So you've you've heard it here, guys. Get on. You've already got Maneater out. It's time to start working on that Shark Mermaid DLC. Bonus points if they're sapphic monstrous mermaids. I mean, being a mermaid man-eater shark sounds pretty great. You you could just call it the the merperson set. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you for, <gasps> and, oh, for this great idea, Tristan. I even just figured out how you could work it into gameplay. Ooh. It could give you a special ability where you can lure humans closer to you. Ooh, a siren song. Just like by popping up the mermaid app and being like, you should come over here. And it can draw humans to you. And then om nom 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 nom. I love this so much. I love this so much. Free ideas for you guys. Anything else going on in Maneater? You want to talk about? Uh, everybody should play it. It's a great game. I'm more excited to play it now after hearing y'all talk about it. And Yay! Uh, what about you, Tristan? <laughs> I am afraid that I unfortunately have enough stuff on my palette <laughs> as it is. Uh, because I'm also considering... So I, I discovered I somehow no longer had a copy of Dark Souls 3. <gasps> I know I bought it. I have what no idea heck? where it went. Um, uh -oh. I don't know. Because um, I, it must, I must have had a physical copy because it wasn't in my um, purchase history. Um, but one of the things I'm planning on hopefully streaming over on my Twitch streams uh, is I want to do a Berserk cosplay run through Dark Souls 3. Ooh. Uh, because, dear God, Dark Souls is basically Berserk the video game. I like that. That sounds great. Um, so I right now actually have a lot of gaming stuff on my plate in addition to uh, Last of Us 2 and Wonderful 101 Remastered, which I'm almost done with. But... Oh, also, uh, into the guys yeah, into the chat. I put in a link to the original uh, singing shark meme. Uh, I also put a link because I'm not sure if anyone else has seen it, but there is a wonderful trailer re-edit for Jaws. 
that re-edits Jaws to be a feel-good comedy. Oh, thank God. It's That's called, exactly what I need. It's called Must Love Jaws. In reference to Must Love Dogs. What? <laughs> the, oh my god! The link to that is in the chat. Uh, for those of you at home, if you haven't seen Must Love Jaws, it's only like, I think it's only like two and a half minutes. Um, because it's a trailer edit. But uh, yeah, you should give that a look. I love, I love everyone in this bar. Hey, this is the best bar. And you know what, Ali? When it's safe... You need to come here. We miss you so much. I know. I miss you guys, too. But at least we have this beautiful podcast, and the next time we're going to get to talk about something that's near to both Allie and Triss's heart. Yay! <laughs> yes, I, I believe next time we're going to be talking about She-Ra. Um, I'm excited to look up a little bit more about it um, and lead that conversation. Hopefully we'll get that out before the end of the month, so... Y'all can listen to it. Yeah. There. No, no. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, my closing thoughts about Maneater is similar to Ali's. It's, it's an excellent game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of the best power fantasies you will get to have in a video game. And it's also cool in that it is, it's doing something that you really don't see. Like it's, you are getting to play as not a muscly dude with a gun, you're going to play as a beautiful shark lady that's just a Is shark. Is it extremely violent? Yes. But does it have guns? No. Only the bad guys have guns. You eat mm -hmm. them. You eat them all. And you fucking eat them. I love- You also- A key mechanic is leaping up as your beautiful stealth and then just like- eat And then like grabbing a hold of a human with your jaws and crunch, crunch, crunch. And fucking yeeting them across from the map. <laughs> yeah. Throwing them into the air, then smacking them with their tails so they go flying like so 500 good. yards. Okay, the blood effects like the right are beautiful. Kind of yeah, the blood effects are like directly inspired from Jaws, I think, and they just look gorgeous. Nice. Hmm. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Um, well, thank you all for sitting down and talking through two things in one go. What? what? And we did um, it in under two hours. We did. Hey, it's as if we're evolving and changing into <laughs> digital champions. <laughs> That's right. Um, let's just go back alphabetically again. Allie, what would you like? Where can we find you? What would you like to promote? You can find me on Twitter at HeyLindaLinda and sometimes on Twitch that I will admit uh, I've been kind of slacking. I've been doing this thing called taking a nap in the middle of the day, and it's kind of messing me up. But oh, but boy, it's does so it feel good. good. I did that today. I meant to only sleep for like an hour, and I think I slept for three. <laughs> but yeah, I'm mostly active on Twitter, sometimes Twitch. Vera, where can we find you? Uh, you can find my work at the Daily Hampshire Gazette newspaper. Um, yeah, also stay tuned to my social media on Twitter. Uh, there's going to be some important announcements coming up. Can't say more, <gasps> but uh, get ready. Shit's going to get <laughs> lit. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll find out more after the show. Maybe we won't. Anyway, uh, uh, Tristan, you will. If you don't uh, tell me, okay. I won't be your friend anymore. Aww. I'm just kidding. I love you. I love you too, Allie. Always. <laughs> Tristan, where can we find you? 
So in addition to here, uh, you can very irregularly find me at twitch.tv slash the underscore millennialist. Um, though at the moment, uh, they just released uh, Twitch Studio as a beta for Mac, and I'm messing around with that, but I can't get my capture card to work with it, even though it's supposed to work with it. Um, yeah. and if I can get it to work with it, then I'm going to have to like remake a whole bunch of media to switch over to it. Um, there's a lot to Twitch. Holy crap. Like, there's just... It's such a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, but you can occasionally find me there. Uh, if you want to hop over... Best thing to do is just hop over, hit follow, and keep notifications on. I will not crush your inbox with notifications. Um, and you can actually find both... Uh, Ali and Tristan's links to their Twitch accounts from the homepage of our site, spoilermedia.net, um, where you can also find all the other 76 episodes of this fine spoiler cast. Um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those fun spots. And you can also, if you have any comments or questions or you want to talk to us, we have contact form on the website too. Please talk to me. I'm so please, lonely. Please send us a letter. <laughs> please. Um, I'm so deprived of human contact. <laughs> we're all you are all gonna just be like mad after everything is said and done. It's gonna be like the lighthouse. Yeah. Yes. Well, hopefully we'll be back very soon with another episode of the show. Hopefully talking about uh, Shira in the future, and then hopefully after that we'll be also digging into the Last of Us Part Two. So subscribe stay tuned and we'll let you know when new episodes come out sounds great guys thanks everybody Bye. 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 Bye.